Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 51. When it comes to tipping and gratuity, there's a lot of questions out there. So this week, we're going to talk all about tipping on your Royal Caribbean cruise. Who gets it, how much, why, and more helpful tips for figuring out this way to reward the excellent service you will encounter both on board and on shore. Here we go. This week's show topic is actually inspired by one of our listeners. Natalie sent me an email all about tipping and she wanted to know more information. So Natalie from Pittsburgh, she wrote to me and says, I want to thank you for the Fabulous Podcast. I'm proud to say I finally caught up with all the episodes and have enjoyed them all. Much like your parents, as you described them, my husband never plans and just shows up on vacation, leaving all the decisions to me. I was able to use your podcast to prepare him for our Oasis of the Seas cruise last April, and it was so helpful. I especially love the Labadee podcast because we listened to it together with a map and made a plan of action ahead of time, landing the perfect shady spot under a palm tree at Columbus Cove. And when they came around selling Labadoozies, we knew we'd better try one. Speaking of Labadee, I have a suggestion for a show topic for you, tipping. I was really unprepared for the amount of tipping expected on Labadee. I had pictured Labadee as being completely private with just Royal Caribbean employees like cast members on Disney's Castaway Key. Much to my surprise, there were many locals working there and all seemed to expect a tip. We were one of the first families off the ship. A young Haitian man in a blue vest saying Beach Patrol met us as we left the pier and insisted on walking us to our spot, tipped him. Two more of our beach chairs tipped them. Later, a Haitian band came to play, tipped them. And when I went to use the restroom, a young lady cleaned the stall and gave me paper towels. I wanted to tip her at that point, but I used up all my cash and where I could have stashed it in my swimsuit anyway, right? I could tell she was disappointed I didn't leave a tip in her jar, and I felt terrible. If I'm blessed enough to sail on what's a beautiful ship, I don't mind supporting the local economy with gratuities. But even though I'm an experienced cruiser, I was unprepared. So a great topic for your podcast would be who to tip and when, helping other cruisers know what to expect. Now, it's a great idea, actually, because tipping and gratuity in general is certainly a topic of discussion on many message boards and websites I've ever encountered regarding cruising. Natalie, I'm going to get to your question about Labadee in a second here, but I want to start at the very beginning, a very good place to start, and talk about tipping in general, and especially as it relates to what's obligatory, what's suggested, and how it all works. Now, if you haven't cruised the Royal Caribbean ever or in a long time, Royal Caribbean has changed their policies in the last couple of years, and this is something that's actually been a cruise industry-wide kind of momentum, and that is tips are now obligatory, meaning they're automatic, meaning before you used to go on your cruise, You'd go however many nights, three, five, seven nights, whatever it is. And the last night, you would see them. You'd, you'd put cash in a little envelope. You'd go up to your waiter or your stateroom attendant or whomever, and it would be up to you to give that person a tip. And some people did that. Some people did not do that. Some people tipped a lot. Regardless, Royal Caribbean changed the policy. Now gratuities are automatic. And the automatic gratuities basically work like this. Royal Caribbean will add an automatic daily gratuity of $12, that's U.S. dollars, for, per person, Per stateroom, it's actually a little bit more for sweet guests. They pay $14.25 per person per day. So every day you get that rate. Twelve. We'll, we'll go with regular rate, $12. So if there's two people in your stateroom, you're going to have a $24 daily charge essentially. So this is pretty simple, and this applies to the stateroom attendant, your head waiter, your assistant waiter, and your regular waiter, not the actual waiter waiter. <laughs> I don't know what the, his name is, but. That's what they. That's what the tips cover essentially, and the the change really is I think to help kind of standardize what tipping is in terms of that fair or not fair and what your opinions are. These people work very very hard on Royal Caribbean ships, and among everything else, the people that wait on you literally in your stateroom and at your 
main dining room and in the restaurants are the people that, you know, work very, very hard and they deserve to be rewarded for it. And we're not going to get into the whole discussion about, you know, the the concept of tipping and what should or shouldn't be. It is what it is. Now, the thing is, and this is a concern a lot of people have, say, Matt, what if I have bad service? What if someone is waiting on me, be it the waiter, be it my savior pretending, and it's just not very good? What do I do? Do I still have to tip them because I don't think I want to reward bad service? And Royal Caribbean would agree with you. Actually, what you should do, if you feel that your the tipping amount is not good because the person is not doing a good job or not up to your standards, whatever it is, you can go to guest services at any point in your cruise and say you'd like to adjust the automatic tipping amount. You can. You don't necessarily have to give them a reason. They may ask, but you can just say, I'd like to change it, and you can opt to have nothing. You can opt to reduce the amount, increase the amount as well, in case you have really great service and you want to reward them, but maybe you don't feel like up to you know that whole, I you, know, you don't want to confront them because you're kind of a shy person, whatever it is. You want to surprise them, whatever. The thing is, you can do all that, and guest services can adjust that. So that's the basic tipping that it's not included in your cruise fare. So if you were, if your cruise, you know, you book your cruise and it's, you know, I'll put a lump sum of $2,000 out there. You will pay this daily amount in addition. It goes on your onboard account. So if you have onboard credit, it comes draws from that. A lot of times there are free gratuity promotions that come on board. You know, for if you book a certain type of cruise, well, then you'll get that as well. And it's just basically a set amount that goes in your onboard account and gets deducted from that, just like anything else. So that's the basics of gratuity for what's obligatory. Now, beyond that, as Natalie pointed out, there's lots of other opportunities to tip. And I think this is very much, a, in fact, I know this is very much a regional thing. People in the United States tip a lot more than people say in Europe or in Asia or Australia. It, it kind of varies from, from country to country, from region to region. I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong in this. It's just kind of a cultural thing. And when you experience it, because on a Royal Caribbean cruise, there's all people from all over the world on there. There are people from the United States, Europe, all those places I mentioned, even other places, South America, the Caribbean. I mean, there's people who want to experience these great cruises from everywhere. So the thing is, the I think the automatic gratuities are really instituted to help make sure that at least everyone's tipping the very least. But other things, there's going to be other opportunities where some people you'll feel like really kind of like, you know, they almost put their hand out kind of a thing. And other people, you know, if you do it, it's great. And if not, no worries either. So at the beginning of the cruise, even before you get on board, one of the first places that I always tip is actually the porters that when you go to embarkation at your port. And these are the people that will help you take your luggage and load it on. Now, again, you don't have to tip anybody anything. You can go on here, give them your luggage, and move on. They're not, like, going to throw your luggage in the sea or anything. I always do it because, for one thing, I don't want to lift my luggage. I've done that enough times already just getting it into the car or bus or whatever. They'll come. They always go out of their way, really. They'll go. They'll grab it for you, the heavy luggage. They'll lift it. Often it's hot outside. They'll drag it around. They'll get all of it situated for you. Maybe you forgot a luggage tag. A luggage tag got ripped off. They'll do it. You know, a dollar or two a bag. Please, it's worth it to me not to have to lug my bags and have them take everything out of the car, bring it to wherever it needs to go, and make sure it goes on its way. Once you're on board your ship, of course, everything you purchase, in fact, I say nearly everything you purchase, has a gratuity usually added onto it. Drinks, spa treatments, and pretty much anything else that has service associated with it. Now, the tip is automatic, and this is something you need to look for because a lot of people don't read the receipts. They should be like, okay, whatever, it costs $18. And they go, there's an extra line still to add additional gratuity. But in most cases, there is an automatic gratuity already added. And you can tip on top of that. Hey, if someone really goes out of their way to help you out, why not reward them, right? But that's basically kind of going to be your experience on board the ship, is that you're going to be optioned to tip 
when appropriate for certain services that are rendered to you. Because again, they're serving you and this is kind of like, oh, I appreciate the prompt service. If it was prompt, maybe they talked to you, maybe they helped you out with something, who knows? But it's kind of a way to saying thank you on top of it. But it's important to remember the tips we're talking about are totally 100% voluntary and they're not required, technically speaking. These are people that are if they, they, they're in a service industry and in the service industry, you oftentimes work for tips and these workers definitely do that. So where it's appropriate, you'll give a tip. Now, one thing about tipping that some people do, and I don't prescribe to it personally, is giving certain people tips in advance, like your stateroom attendant who, you know, they give them a $20 when they meet them, kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, I hope I get good service kind of thing. To me, I don't think that's really necessary. In fact, I think it's kind of almost borderline extortion. Not that the stateroom attendant would do that to you, but it's kind of like, this is what you have to do to get good service. I don't think that's the case at all. Now, if you are making a lot of requests, like if you're saying, hey, I'd like to have ice in my bucket every night, I need to have the pillows be purple, and I, I mean, I don't know. If you're asking them to really go out of their way, maybe you're bringing like, a kid's pool. A lot of some people do this with toddlers, a little inflatable pool, and then you like to have them get water for it a couple times during the cruise. You know what? That definitely deserves a tip, I think, in addition to what you're usually getting, because this is going above and beyond, I think, what would be considered the normal course of their of their duties. And if they're, ha- if they're happy to help you with it, why not you know, throw them a little bit of money here and say, hey, thank you, I really appreciate you taking the time out. If maybe they're going after a certain issue, sometimes things happen like a maintenance issue. You'll tell them, hey, you know, the air conditioning is not really that cold out. Can you, you know, have someone fix it? And they'll go, and maybe the next day they'll come back to you and say, hey, did someone fix it for you yet? And say, you know what, they didn't do it yet. I get around to do it, and they get around, and they're working on your behalf. The little things like that, I think that's when you really got to recognize it. But you shouldn't have to feel that you need to tip anyone in advance as a means of like, okay, please, you know, do a good job for me. So we talked a little bit about the automatic gratuities. We talked a little about the stuff on the ship. Now, of course, off the ship is where you're going to see a lot more gratuities being involved, especially off in, in ports. And we'll, we'll start with Natalie's question about Labadee and Coco Cay, I think, is along the same lines. In both cases, Royal Caribbean employs locals to, to work. There, there are actually Royal Caribbean employees on the island. You'll usually can see them because they're wearing the name tags from the ship. They usually have kind of more of a uniform look to what they're wearing. At any rate, gratuities, again, are part of the deal here. So if you order a drink from the bar, you're going to get, because it's Royal Caribbean's Island, you're going to be paying the same, the the check will look exactly the same as it does on the ship. Automatic gratuity on the bottom. If you have a drink package or something like that, it's already included in there. And that's a good point, actually, about the drink packages. All the automatic drink packages include gratuity. So the unlimited alcohol packages, the Royal Replenish package, I'm pretty sure that the soda package, I mean, it's pretty much self-serve, but those all include gratuity, so you're all set there. You shouldn't feel obliged, unless someone again does a really good job, or you strike a gun conversation. Who knows what? You don't have to do that on top of it. So the people on the island, uh, the people that Natalie was talking about, are locals, and there are the ones that wear the beach patrol shirt and they have the blue vests on. The, it's kind of I don't know I have a best way to kind of describe how to determine who they are versus the Royal Caribbean staff, other than the fact I don't think they wear name tags. At any rate. And, and this would be true if they were Caribbean employees. If someone's taking you to your spot on the beach and getting the chair and setting up your umbrella for you, yeah, it's tips are expected. Beyond that, she pointed out actually the people at the restroom, which I've never seen before, which is, was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that, honestly. I'm not sure what I would have done in that situation because I wouldn't have brought money with me to the restroom, to be honest with you. But I do think when you're going on these islands, you should be bringing a uh, small change with you. And before your cruise, one of the things we always talk about, actually, we had a great conversation on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards, and I'll put a link to it, actually, about how much cash to bring on your cruise. That's a whole different topic. But I always stock up on singles, fives, and then, you know, larger 
denominations for for larger purchases. But for tipping, singles are probably the best thing you can do. And if you have a lot of them, it's always the best means of, of having tips ready for people. Those aren't awkward. You're asking for change or anything like that. Now, if you run out of singles or you forget to or whatever, it's okay. You can actually go to guest services on your ship and they can break money for you. No problems. Lots of people do this. So if you say, ah, you know, I forgot to get ones or whatever, break a $20 bill, bring it down to guest services. They'll convert it for you and give you all the singles you'll need, which can be really great. So realistically speaking, I think when you're on an island like Labadee, it's going to be less inclined as much tipping because there's not that many opportunities. There's people who are going to set up your chair for you. I guess the person by the restroom, I think, is an anomaly. I wouldn't read too much into that, Natalie. But the certainly anything you're buying, there's the shops over there, which I don't think you have to tip on top because that's a service. There's those little, the little marketplace that are run by locals. And that's pretty obvious that they are locals because they live in the area and they have a Haitian accent, but you know, they're, they're selling their wares, but that's different. That's selling your wares. You're agreeing on that. You don't have to tip them on top of that. The, the thing is, I think other than the people that have set up my chairs, I don't think I've ever tipped anybody else besides of course, bar service or something like that. But so it's kind of interesting about the band, the Haitian band. Look, that's entertainment. That's up to you. If you want to do that. Now, if they come over to play to you, I would only tip if they ask me, like, what song do I want? That kind of thing. Kind of like if you've ever been in a Mexican restaurant where a mariachi band comes over or the balloon guy comes over in an Italian restaurant and, you know, they're like, oh, it's kind of suggested at that point. But, I mean, if you want, if you like the music a lot, sure, why not? You can tip them there. But I don't think that's really a huge case of it. So it's kind of interesting, Natalie. I guess to your point, maybe you just bring, you know, $10 maybe total and use that to tip where appropriate. I think the other thing is you're going to use a lot more tips when you're off Royal Caribbean property. Let's put it that way. So when you're in the various ports of call that are not Labadee or Coco Cay, and there you're going to have a lot because you're going to need taxi drivers, which of course on top of that you pay, you'll have a tour operator. Usually you tip on top of that. I mean, there's lots of places where service is included and that's where gratuities are most appropriate. So you just have to be prepared, I think. And I, and, that, and that's part of the thing. And maybe to Natalie's point, she just wasn't expecting all that much in terms of uh, tips on on Labadee and Coca-Cola case is, is a similar thing. So I think what you really want to do is make sure that you bring money with you. Again, I think $10 would have covered the whole day over there. If, if Unless you go crazy and I don't know, you're making lots of different requests and, and want to have some personal service. That's okay, too. You should reward the people for helping you out with that. Now, other areas where gratuities, I think, are going to be something that are expected or something that I think probably makes some sense, especially on Royal Caribbean ships. If you are staying in the suite, remember I mentioned earlier, there is actually gratuities that are extra for the suites, and there's butler service in a lot of these suites, not the junior suites, but the larger suites. And in those cases, you may consider giving them an extra little money here and there, especially at the end of the cruise. Spa service, if you go to the spa, there's usually a big gratuity. And again, make sure that it's not already on there, because I think in most cases... I should ask my wife. The gratuity is already automatically added on there. But again, good service. Someone really, you know, take some extra time, maybe, you know, extra 10 minutes of work because you really have a big knot in your shoulder or whatever. You know, that kind of thing is certainly appreciated. The kids club counselors, I've read about this people tipping the counselor. Actually, I did this to one counselor in particular on our last cruise on Navigator. This is we had a counselor that was, I'm not sure doting is the right word, but she certainly looked out for my daughter. And I, that's kind of a way I could say thank you. Now, the other thing is, we haven't mentioned this yet, are the wow cards. So when you're getting on your Royal Caribbean cruise on embarkation day and you're checking in, this doesn't happen all the time, but I've gotten it a couple different times. The person there checking you and will give you these things called wow cards. And what wow cards are, are there ways that you can thank the Royal Caribbean staff for excellent service and outside of money, of course. So what you do is like someone 
you know, does a really good job. Maybe you see him a couple different times during the cruise, a good bartender. And you can certainly give them money. That's always appreciated as well. But you can give them these wow cards. You fill this wow card out, and basically you put their name, and you write kind of a brief description of what they did. And you give it to them, and they in turn give it to, I believe, their manager, and it goes on their permanent record file. And these are important because, one, they get recognized for doing excellent service. And two, they also, when it's time for things like their contract being renewed and promotions, these kinds of things are what separate them from other employees. So it can really help their long-term career. Now, whereas $20 here today helps them maybe get lunch that day, these wow cards really can help them throughout their career with Royal Caribbean. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't appreciate the money, in some cases, maybe even more so, but it's also a great way to tip them without actually having to give them money. So that's something certainly to keep in mind. Shore excursions, I mentioned a little bit about that earlier again. Even if you're taking a Royal Caribbean excursion, you know, a couple dollars here or there, especially if someone goes, again, above and beyond what other people got, that's always important. A good example of this would be we took a tour of the island of Barbados and we were petting. Actually, it wasn't planned, but we stopped to pet. We didn't pet them. We kind of fed them these green monkeys that were there. And one of the drivers gave my daughter a sliced up a whole banana for her and gave her the banana and the monkey ate the banana out of her hand, which was really cool. And again, these are kind of the things like, wow, okay, this guy was, you know, doing a little something special for us. So I think, you know, in turn, you know, I can, I can slip him an extra 10 bucks or five bucks, whatever it happens to be. So that's really the basics of it. Beyond that, it's just, I think a matter of being prepared and certainly having cash with you, especially as soon as you leave the ship, you should assume that there's some level of it. And, to Natalie's point about Labadee, yeah, there is going to be some. And maybe, again, you have to understand that there are non-Royal Caribbean employees on there. So have a little bit of cash. And I'm curious what you hear what you all think about gratuity and what your views are on tipping. I know it's a very heated subject because a lot of people have very strong opinions about tipping one way or the other. But I'm hoping to hear from what you guys all think. So send us an email or a tweet or something, and we'll read it. In fact, we're coming up with a segment right now that'll be talking all about that. So looking forward to hearing about tipping. My favorite part of the podcast, time to read your emails, tweets, Facebook messages, and talk all about Royal Caribbean with all of you. But before we do that, I want to make a quick reminder, actually, to all of our listeners, because coming up next week on July 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, is our very first live broadcast of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast. We're actually celebrating our one-year anniversary, and we're going to be broadcasting it live. It's going to be a lot of fun, I really think. So I hope you'll be able to join us for it, even if you just come to listen. It's all free, by the way. Just come on in. Go to royalcaribbeanblog.com. You'll see a link right there on the homepage to be able to watch, actually, as I'll be broadcasting myself. But we'll be broadcasting the show live, and you'll have an opportunity to actually call in live if you'd like to participate in our chat room. It'll be a lot of fun, I think. So come on by. And again, that's Wednesday, July 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Hopefully, many of you will join us for it. I think it'll be a great time. Anyway, to your emails. And our first is from Christy Puddick. And Christy writes, I was listening to episode 45, and you discussed trip insurance. I've taken an average cruise a year for most of my adult life and never had cruise insurance. I often cruise in the winter months and will leave the day of the cruise and never worry. Now, however, I'm forced to have it. My husband has suffered two collapsed lungs in the last three years, and now we have to be prepared to cancel a trip if ever necessary. We always buy it through an independent company, as they typically cover this and more, included in the price of our airfare as well. Thanks to the podcast, I enjoy listening. Great point, Christy, actually, about the fact that if you have known conditions or if you're traveling with uh, grandparents, elderly people, look, some people are more prone to issues than other people. There's no question about that. And Christy, I think you've seen that earlier in your life. You didn't have this issue, but 
if there is more of a likelihood, an increased likelihood that you would need this type of insurance for, for travel, then yes, I agree with you. It definitely is worth it. But I think for many people, it may just be uh, overkill. And more importantly, I think and what I really wanted to harp on was the fact that to understand what trip insurance covers and does not cover. I think it's a very big misconception. But in your case, Christy, absolutely. Things like health conditions and and those sorts of issues can certainly be an ish, a way that travel insurance can be a great value. So, Christy, thank you for the email. I appreciate it. Next, we have a tweet from BCMouse77 on Twitter. And he or she writes, episode 50 was helpful. Result equals no Disney Cruise for us. Sounds like Royal Caribbean has a more compelling value proposition. And BC Mouse 77, I, I very much agree with you about that. That's actually why I, I changed from Disney to cruising with Royal Caribbean, because I thought, I wonder if there's a better value out there. And certainly I found Royal Caribbean. Because then I always said this, Royal Caribbean offers that balance of what you pay and what you get. You may get a little more somewhere else, but you may pay a lot more for it. And you may not get as much somewhere else, and you may pay a lot less for it. And I think Royal Caribbean has that balance for us. It's been It's been wonderful, actually. So... Next, we have an email from Tracy. Hello, I stumbled upon your podcast. I've been listening intently for the last couple days and have gained a lot of information that I had no clue about. But I still have some questions and I can't find answers to them. I have two previous Western Caribbean cruises on Monarch of the Seas out of Galveston. Both were seven-day cruises. Also, I sailed on Norwegian Pearl to Alaska. All these things I did with my sister. Now I have a scheduled cruise on Enchantment of the Seas. This sailing will be a first for me with my boyfriend, and I'm very excited, hoping he loves it so we can go back and do it again and again, and possibly even get married on a cruise in the future. Here are some questions I hope you can answer. For especially dining in the past, my sister and I have shared a meal with no questions asked. However, I know my boyfriend can eat the entire meal alone, and I'm wondering if special arrangements can be made for myself. I've had gastric bypass surgery a few years ago, and I cannot eat near as much as this meal includes. I'm wondering if I could possibly pay the child's price for myself. Actually, Tracy, I don't think there are child prices for specialty restaurants. Not that, I'm, not that I'm aware of. And certainly when I eat at specialty restaurants with my daughter, who's three years old, we went to Giovanni's Table as an example. We paid the full price. I've never seen children prices. So to answer your question, I'm afraid not. You're probably going to have to pay the full amount. The other thing to understand about the specialty restaurant prices is you're not just paying. This is not just the food. It's not like when you go to a restaurant and you order, you know, you're going to, I'm just throwing stuff out there. You go to like your your Denny's and you order the, the pancakes and it's $9.99. It's not, you're not paying that price. The, the price you're paying for the specialty restaurants are actually more of a gratuity than anything else. You're paying a special price, not only for the food you're getting, but for the service because the service here is going to be more personalized and it's going to be of a higher nature. So it really doesn't matter about how much you're ordering. It's more about the service you're getting. And I think, so you should go there, order what you feel comfortable with. And if you don't eat a lot, that's okay too, but understand where the money's going to. And I think that might make it a little bit better. Tracy has another question. Are the drink passes priced per day or per sailing? With the beer one, is it unlimited beer or limited? How much is limited? Since you can only drink, do both of us have to purchase or just him? So the beverage packages are per day, but you have to buy them for the entire sailing. You can't say, I want three out of the seven days. I'm going to buy the whole thing. But it is priced technically per day. With the beer package, which is the classic package, it's unlimited. So you can get as many beers as you want, no problems at all. There is a limit in terms of some beers are not included. These are beers that are like 32 ounces. <laughs> There's a couple of them that are like that, but these are very few and far between. You go there and you want, if you want unlimited, you know, certainly Coronas and Budweiser's and Guinnesses and all that, that's all fine there. You shouldn't have any problem with that at all. So don't worry about that at all. And he can get the drink 
you don't have to get them. So it, it's totally, it used to be the rule, and this is where a lot of confusion comes into play. It used to be a rule that if someone got the package, someone else has to get the package if you're staying in the same stateroom. That is not the case anymore. Your boyfriend can get the package. You do not have to get any package whatsoever. Tracy adds, how do you find the Royal Caribbean transportation once we've landed at the airport? You know, what's funny is I've never actually used their transfers before. I've heard perfectly good things about them. You have to obviously purchase it in advance. Uh, but it's basically a bus that brings you over there. No problems at all. I think the bus is going back, meaning after your cruise back to the airport, you have to make sure they work with the ties because they go at certain times. Obviously, if you're, you're flight very early or very late, that might be an issue. But otherwise, they're perfectly fine. I wouldn't have any problems with them. When pre-registering online and linking your debit card, I notice a cash option, but no explanation. If you use the cash option, do you have to leave a lump cash amount at the pier? How does that work? From what I understand, and I've done this a couple different times, you actually put down a credit card. Even if you're paying with cash, that's okay. You're just putting a card. Basically, the card is collateral. It's like, well, if you forget to pay cash or you lose all your cash in the casino or whatever, you spend it on who knows what, there's going to be a backup for it because otherwise they don't want to hold you hostage there on the ship. So you put a credit card down, but... At any point during your cruise, even the first five minutes of your cruise, you can go to the guest services and put cash down to pay off your balance. I do this all the time because we'll save up cash before our cruise, kind of as a little spending money. We get to the cruise and maybe about halfway through the cruise, I'll put a little bit down to cover whatever the charges are at that point. And certainly at the end of the cruise, we put whatever's left over. So that way, what's being charged, if anything, on our credit card at the end of the cruise is a nominal fee because, again, we save that money for that. So you can go there if you save however much money you have. You can put it down on your account. You can actually put it in advance. So if you'll say you only charge $10 on your onboard account, you can deposit $500 and your remaining balance will be $495. And that'll keep deducting from that just like if you had onboard credit. So you can absolutely do that. And that's the best way it's going to work. Tracy has more questions, which is great, by the way. I love these questions. Please, please, please uh, keep them coming because I love this is what this podcast is all about is sharing information, helping others have a better cruise, right? Anyway, Tracy writes, when showing ID before boarding the ship, does your driver's license have to have the same address as your cruise documents? Yes, I believe so. Actually, I'm not a thousand percent certain on that. I just know it's very important that your names all match. That's very, very important. The addresses, I'm not even sure because I'm not 100% sure on that, but it probably definitely helps. I would actually consult a travel agent, Tracy, or call Roller Caribbean directly and make sure that's how much of an issue it is. Maybe you moved recently and you haven't updated your driver's license yet. That can be something you want to look into. So the thing to remember is that the name is the most important thing on there. And, and that's going to be the most. And of course, since you can technically get on a cruise with a birth certificate, I'm guessing, and this is a guess, I, I would still call regardless that the address is not nearly as important as the what's on the your name. The name is the, the, the most important thing ever. And lastly, I listened to your Bahamas podcast and heard Royal Caribbean rarely gets a stop at Coca-Cola. Do they reroute? Well, first of all, they don't rarely stop there. They stay up there probably most of the times, but it seems like there's a higher rate of cancellations there because of weather conditions. And when they do have these kind of delays, most times they do not reroute. If it's a day of thing, like, you know, they're going, there's no storms in the area. You just happen to begin there that day and it's too windy. They'll probably just tell you you're going to have a sea day. But if they know in advance there's going to be an issue like a hurricane coming by or something like that, or there's just some maybe who knows what's going on there, then a lot of times they will reroute, usually to Nassau in the Bahamas. Maybe Freeport if you're lucky, but it's going to be somewhere in the area more than likely. So basically, if they know in advance, you'll get rerouted. Otherwise, you're pretty much going to get a sea day out of it. So thank you, Tracy, for the email. Love the questions. We have actually two emails from Christopher Purse. we got to catch up with all Christopher's emails and Christopher writes. In episode 48, your podcast was very informative. And even after many Royal Caribbean cruises, we still learned a lot. Exploring the ship on a cruise is certainly part of the overall adventure. And discovering a special spot is 
a first prize. Absolutely. Great point. I love discovering those special spots, Christopher, when you go out there and you're like, I always wax poetically about that deck four, deck five, you know, deck that, that goes around the ship. That's usually very quiet. I love going there. And certainly when you find a little spot, a great example, this is on the back of Allure of the Seas or Oasis of the Seas. There's that those chairs to watch the wake. I love those kinds of areas, especially because most people just don't even know they're there, which is what really gets me. So if you had an opportunity to, to check it out, I think it's always a fun time. Christopher's other email is about episode 49, which is Sabor Modern Mexican Review that I did. And he writes, thanks for the review of Sabor Modern Mexican Restaurant. We live in California, so there are many Mexican food options, and we've sampled most of them. It sounds like that Sabor is a cut above and certainly worth exploring the next time we're on Navigator of the Seas. Looking forward to the 50th podcast live event. That's 52, because 52 weeks in a year. But I know what you meant, Christopher. Thank you very much for the emails. Again, always appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to our next email. And that is from Jennifer Cogswell. Once again, love your podcast. Thank you for keeping us entertained on a weekly basis. Our favorite shore excursion would be Orient Bay in St. Martin. Our past cruises have always had to stop there. However, our next cruise does not include St. Martin. We're looking for some beaches that are as much fun as Orient Beach with great waves and beautiful scenery. My dad always wants to call it the Wave Slammer, a little play on the wind shimmer. Our upcoming itinerary includes St. Thomas, St. Kitts, Aruba, and Curacao. Any suggestions for similar beaches would be greatly appreciated. And lastly, do you have a number one activity you would recommend for each of these islands? Great questions. I can help you with St. Thomas. That's all I can help you with, actually. I've never been to the other islands, unfortunately. i got to book a new cruise. i got to tell my wife, look, we got to go on this cruise because Jennifer says she needs information. i got to help. i got no choice, right? <laughs> I need any excuse possible to book another cruise. <laughs> so St. Thomas is one of the things that I like to... First of all, St. Thomas is a great island because it's it's very easy to, to walk around and enjoy everything. The downtown of Charlotte Amalie, which is the... I think I pronounced that right. is the capital of St. Thomas. has great shopping. Great, It's, it's a nice area to walk around. It's very safe, I think. And it's it, there's a lot of shopping to do, certainly. But I think if there's... There's probably two things I would recommend doing in, in St. Thomas. First of all, there's no question. The number one thing is going to be Megan's Bay. It's the beach they have over there. It's actually supposed to be one of the best beaches in the whole wide world. I liked other beaches better personally, but if you're going to ask me what the best thing to do is, there's no question that going to Megan's Bay is the way to do that. You can easily get a taxi that'll bring you there. There's a nominal fee to get there on the beach because it's a, actually it's a U.S. park technically. But otherwise, you go there. It costs a couple dollars to get in and taxi on top of it, but it's, it's wonderful and certainly a great place. Very, very scenic. And the other place I really liked, I did a tour of the whole island, which I'm not... They didn't love, but I, one of the things I thought was cool and certainly worth a taxi ride up there, the highest point on St. Thomas, which I believe is actually called like Top of the Mountain, not a very great name, but nonetheless, it actually gives you a very scenic spot. I, we have a number of great photos that we took over there, and I really enjoyed it. So if I were you, I would get in a cab, negotiate the rate, tell them you want to go to that Top of the Mountain thing, <laughs> go check out that view for about, it takes about like 10 minutes maximum really to see it all and enjoy it all, and then go back to Megan's Bay and have them come back to pick you up. You're bringing back the ship. Should be too expensive, especially. I'm not sure how many people you're going with, Jennifer, but that might be a might not be actually a bad idea. But for the island of St. Kitts, Aruba, and Curacao, I'm opening this up to our listeners. So, whomever has been to any of those islands, you have to be all three. Just even if you've got one, you think is a good idea for a great beach and certainly any activities that are really cool to do there. Then let us know. Uh, email us Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Tweet us. We're at the RCL Blog on Twitter. 
Facebook, we're facebook.com slash Royal Caribbean blog. And all the responses we get, we'll read on the air here to help Jennifer out. And hopefully we'll all be able to kind of come together and give Jennifer some really good ideas. And of course, on top of that, Jennifer, and I always say this a lot, but still appropriate. I would also recommend checking out sites like TripAdvisor to figure out what other people are doing as well. When all else fails, and certainly it's what I do when I'm trying to figure things out, is go there. Maybe you can get it. There's actually some really great books. Uh, Frommers has some great books about the Caribbean and figuring out, again, what's listed there and what's recommended, and that might be a good place to start, if nothing else. But I'm, I have confidence in our listeners that we're going to get some some good responses here. So thank you, Jennifer. And thank you to everybody who was part of this show and gave us some good emails here. And I love reading them. It's really such a just a pleasure. And that's why I'm really looking forward to our live show coming up actually next week on July 30th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So can, actually, for those of you that wake up and can't wait for their episode of, of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, that's great, except next week's show is going to be slightly delayed because we got to actually record it, which will be later that evening. So come on by. It'll be a lot of fun. Wednesday, July 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.